Now, get ready to talk hockey. Streaming from the Oilers Live Studio. Subscribe or follow today. Hey, 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 it's Oilers Live Tuesday. My name is Michael, also known as Oilers Live. Got my trusty sidekick, Dash, in the park, and special guest Tom Gazzola joining us tonight for our live show on EdmontonSportsTalk.com. It would be a great hat if it wasn't uh, mirrored <laughs> right now. <laughs> Quick special thanks to uh, Dustin Nielsen, Matt Awanek, and our guest Tom Gazzola and Lieutenant Eric for this opportunity to have our part in the Edmonton sports scene. Heavy, ho- heavy Hockey Live <laughs> at night is on Tuesdays with Oilers Live which is Dash and myself and Devin, Bruce, Tyler, and John tomorrow. Thanks for fixing that night at 9 p.m. Mountain for the Fantasy Hockey Hacks. A couple of housekeeping items for those of you new listeners tonight. There's live chat occurs on the YouTube channel. You can go to youtube.ca slash heavyhockey. Give us a subscribe while you're there. And all of this is brought to you by the Heavy Hockey Network, which can be found at heavyhockey.com. All right, let's make it count tonight. Welcome to the show, Tom. Love the hat. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, this thing is fresh. I, I'm in a mad scramble right now. We just finished up the uh, Oilers Media Golf Tournament. Nice. I just got back from the course. Dusty and I were sporting these fresh lids that just came in from Hive Media. Um, I'm looking. I got my my mic. I got my headset, and I don't know where my splitter is. So I was like, if you saw me two minutes ago, guys, I was a mess. <laughs> And I'm like, I, I think I'm just going to have to run this off of my computer, Mike. And I apologize. I hope this sounds okay. But uh, it's been a day, boys. Thanks for having me. No, it sounds great. How was the golf game? Good. We won the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> we won. <laughs> How many mulligans did you buy? Yeah. None. There were no mullies. Like, wow. the with their media golf game, like, they're pretty stringent. There's some good players out there. So it was myself, Dustin Schwartz who is uh, one of uh, Oilers fans' favorite coaches, as I know, but <laughs> yeah. honestly, a great guy, yeah. awesome golfer, and uh, a pure athlete. And um, Kate Doyle, who does uh, Oilers team services, services, she's great. And Kevin Rapinos, who does corporate communications. And uh, I wish I could say I did a lot of heavy lifting, but I was coasting and letting everybody else do all the work. And you know what? We uh, came away victorious as a team, and we celebrate as a team. <laughs> were you the guy that just got to swing hard once there was a safe one in play and then the first one up to putt so you, everybody else could see your line pretty much and I, I was the glue guy too just pumping everyone up right. saying you got this like that's that's the value i bring to the team outside of that i'm just there for a good time so you're singing um, to the choir that's my so job it, in every texas scramble yeah, buddy. yeah. <laughs> you need yeah. a glue guy and i'm that glue guy i've come to realize this yeah, hey dash takes my best guy. shot Every night on this program. <laughs> well, yeah. Thanks for starting off the show by chirping, Tom. Hey, welcome to the show, Tom. It's your first time. Pleasure to have you. We're really honored hey. to have you. No, hey, can you straighten out your screen? Welcome. There's to a standard expectation. A standard of excellence. Live here. A standard of excellence. I didn't even know I could mirror my screen. I had no clue. I figured it out quickly. So that's a that's a minor miracle, guys. This is what it looks like to look at you. I mean, I I thought your eyes were backwards for a bit there. <laughs> they might be. They might be. Was That's right. Wait, wait a second. I thought his hair was parted the other way. What's going on here? <laughs> Who is this guy? Uh, how how did uh, Dusty do? Uh, I'll say I didn't really get into his game and how his team performed. I think 
he was with Tony Brar and uh, who else? I can't remember who else was in his group, but I think they just came in at one under. And for Dusty, that's pretty good. Uh, I think Tony's supposed to be a good golfer, but you know what? It's a team game, especially when you, we did a shamble. I've never done a shamble before. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a full scramble. And, um, you know, they, they put in a good effort. And unfortunately, we were better than they were. So or fortunately for us, unfortunate for them. And it's just <laughs> the way it goes sometimes. Awesome. I've been out there with Dusty. Usually, yeah, minus one on the scorecard and a scramble, but about minus eight on the double rum and cokes. <laughs> he was taking care of business when it came to the double Ryan cokes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right on. Right on. Well, I appreciate you joining us tonight. This is our second uh, time on uh, EdmontonSportsTalk.com live. Of course, you're on there every day, every morning now, it would seem. But then long <laughs> days when Dusty's not around. Yeah. Those days, like I, Buddy, when I Dusty's doing, yeah, it's it's a haul. But I mean, the kid can talk for twelve hours if you if you need him to. So it was interesting. It was fun. I enjoyed it, and uh, thankfully, not that many early morning wake ups. Hopefully, less than when I was at twelve sixty with him. But every now and then, you know, swap in for him and hopefully keep the show afloat. Eric does all the heavy lifting. Like I said, glue guy. Same thing when it comes to radio and TV. Just the glue guy, you guys. <laughs> I had to. I had to move to Atlantic Canada to get up for the six a.m. show. I mean, it's like six a.m. Who does that? Well, Tommy <laughs> might be famous for coming in late with a hot coffee at yeah. five minutes after the hour. <laughs> There's a reputation I, being earned here. I don't know. Joe I, Buck says on YouTube he wants to know where he can buy those hats, Tom. Um, I I think they will be made available. Uh, for people to buy. Um, this is the first, literally the first run. So before Dusty and I left the station to go to the media tournament, um, Chelsea Holt, Eric's sister-in-law and Lucas's wife came in and she's like, boys, these are the first set of hats. And we all grabbed one and, and away we went to the tournament. So th- this is like fresh, fresh, fresh. And I think the plan is to get a store up and running and, and people, if they want in on some EST gear, the the plan is for that to happen. So uh, I thought this was a great opportunity to display it for the first time for those watching and uh, for those listening that can't necessarily see it. Um, they're sweet. They're straightforward. They're nice, uh, uh, nice uh, snapback and they fit really good and they look good. And so the colors pop and, and people, I think, will be able to buy them soon. So that's an Oilers Live exclusive, I guess, right there. We're breaking. We're yes. breaking the hats here. Yes, this is you are. Late breaking news here. This is good. This is good. That's what our fourth one this year, I think. <laughs> exclusive. This one's on the exclusive. Right, there we go. Oh man. Well, you know, lots to talk about and nothing to talk about all at the same time. We're kind of in a <laughs> in a bit of a lull, maybe well, a bit, but uh, Oilers uh, rookie camp obviously just concluded. Um, you know, maybe one of the more lackluster rookie camps, right, of recent history, which is that a bad thing? I mean, nope. not, to, not to say anything about the process. These, these guys are still good players, but I mean, we're not, hoping on any of these guys to come in and and make a splash right no and if you are i think you know you need to take a step back and be a little bit more realistic uh i know people get excited about prospects we talk about them all the time you guys talk about them all the time and and rightly so because at some point 
some of these guys are going to have to pop and make the team and actually be legit NHLers, but it's actually kind of nice to not talk about the Young Stars Classic and put some of these guys on the roster from the Young Stars Classic on the opening day roster because for years and years and years, and I know, you know, we all talk about it, but like we would go to Penticton and be like, all right, well, let's see how Nuge and Taylor play and Everly and PRV. And okay, they had a great Young Stars tournament. How does that look at preseason? Well, they're okay. Not as good as Young Stars. Then they get into the regular season. How are they? Well, they're playing a lot of minutes. Probably shouldn't be playing as many minutes as they were. And yeah. the team sucks. That's gone. Those days are gone. And it's kind of weird. It's almost, it feels counterintuitive because we're so, so stuck in that, in that mindset, right? Like, well, which one of these guys are going to make it this year? Who's got a legit shot? Yeah. This year, seriously, none of them. And that's just fine. It's that's perfect. just fine. And, you know, in a year or two, yeah, in a year or two, um, the Borgos, the Petrovs, the Tulios, they shouldn't be playing in this Young Stars Classic because they should be AHL guys who have already made their debuts in the NHL, whether it's for a quick cup of coffee or they get called up because they're playing so well. That's what a good organization does in the NHL, and that's how they turn players over and get them ready. Whereas, you know, in years past, we were watching a crappy Oilers team rush players who weren't even ready and and it all it led to was more misery often yeah. there's a like a, a reverse linear effect there i think the better you're doing in the nhl the worse your your team's doing in the young stars yeah that's just fine because guess what boys those games over the weekend mean diddly squat yeah yeah, yeah. anybody that uh anybody that you heard out of the young stars that um you know played well showed well uh, that uh, might might have a quicker route to the NHL than than the others. Yeah, um, the the guy that's you know kind of tantalizing and and gets the juices flowing every time you talk to people from the organization is Matt Bay Petrov, and watching him in the Calgary game specifically, I thought that was probably his strongest game. Yesterday's game, you know, we've got getaway day in baseball. Uh, that Monday game in in the Young Stars. Those guys, they just want to be done with it and move on to, to training camp. And, and that's very much the feel. And, you know, not a lot of people will tell you that, but that is how they feel about it. So I thought that Calgary game was a good example. You got a bit of a, a, a little taste of the rivalry, too. It's a Saturday night, Edmonton, Calgary. Yes, the rookies. But I like Petrov. I thought the goal he scored was beautiful. The way him and, and Borgo were snapping around the puck. Savoy as well. You had Bo Aiki in there a little bit. Um, the, so kind of the guys that you were looking to actually show and, and be the leaders on the team were, and it was interesting too, like Borgo, I thought made some nice plays in that first game, taking pucks to the net. Um, and then, you know, teaming up with Petrov here and there a little bit in Savoy, like I mentioned, Tulio was in the mix a little bit too, but, um, there's some people texting us actually at Edmonton sports talk saying they didn't really like Borgo's game. and. And I understand that maybe, maybe he didn't put up the points or get the results or dominate like some expected, but you can't really put a ton of stock into these games. I, I think when he gets into his first couple of preseason games, if he's a ghost out there, then I'm going, well, what's going on with Borgo? But um, I think, you know, and I mentioned this uh, 
geez, I don't know. I've been on a couple podcasts lately, but in, in reference to Borgo, I mean, this is a guy who probably played a year longer in junior than he should have. I got a chance to watch him out here playing the queue and he looked a little bit, you know, bored, if mm-hmm. you will. Like he could have, he could have taken it away. I just think now that he's at this level, he needs to have a little bit more killer instinct and take it away. Right. Like be the guy that is absolutely noticeable out there rather than the guy that's bored to be out there. Cause he knows he's better than everybody else. I, I don't know. That's the only, uh, he's still played. I watched uh, two and a half of the games and I thought, I thought he was still good. I just didn't yeah. think he was for go good because I know this guy's got a ton of talent. To well, me, you, saw sorry, go ahead, Tommy. No, no, I was just going to say he was amazing at the mem cup. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that he should have been, and he was. So yeah. it's there. Yeah. Go ahead, Dash. Yeah. From what I just saw in the youngsters games, and and some of it was bits and pieces, and some of it was highlights. But for me, I, like, I thought he was still going to the right places on the ice. Like, I thought, you know, he was still going and trying to battle. He just didn't come out with the puck very often. You know, he'd go in with one on ones and he'd be where he's supposed to be, but, you know, the puck would go the other way. Um, you know, I heard you say it on your podcast on the all stream tommy and you know it's a bit of a dog's breakfast on who you're playing with right you might be with a 18 year old you might be with a 22 year old you might be with a guy that's at college you might be with a guy that's you know played in the ajhl Mm -hmm. it's really hard to find chemistry in those moments and i think like the positive to take away from it if uh borgo didn't show great is perhaps that you look fantastic on that power play like you said it in that calgary game like that goal that petrov scored to tie it up three three like that was maybe Petrov's best period of the tournament. Yep. Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, what, what's your comments on that? I, I think like, you know, there's, there's something to be said about finding chemistry in a tournament like that. And like you said, if Borgo already had, or like Michael said, if Borgo already has the reputation for maybe self load managing, if you want to call it that eh, the last game of the tournament versus Vancouver is exactly when you do it, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the, the young stars classic is it's, fun it it gives the scouting staffs and management teams like a little precursor going into uh main training camp and but you talk to the players and you ask them what's this play like like how would you describe it and they go it's a scramble it's it's mm-hmm. hard to get into a rhythm and by the time you get to the third game if you played the first two and are in the third game some of these guys only play two uh, that's when you start to figure it out. You, you find a groove and so too do the other teams, but it's the last game. Like there's, there's no set level of expect. It's not the AHL. It's not major junior. It's not these, it's somewhere in, but it finds itself in like this weird, uh, middle ground between like three different leagues. And, um, you don't know what to expect. You're just throwing these guys together and it's like, okay, guys go play, but you're all wearing Oilers jerseys. And you're playing a bunch of the same guys who are just coming together right now. And they're all wearing Flames jerseys. So there's no no practices. Like the, you get the pregame skate. And they skate yeah. once or twice before they fly out to Penticton. But it's it's not like a training camp where you're working on systems. And you're actually doing them on the ice. Then you're going over video. And then uh, you've got a couple of days before the first game. It, so they, they just call it every time. Every year I covered it. They're like, this This tournament's a scramble. You can't really get a true feel for it. And, you know, yeah. some guys excel in that environment. And you'll see guys that score goals and put up decent points in the two or three games that they play that you've never heard of that are there on a on an ATO or whatever. And then you're like, well, where the hell was the first rounder? You didn't do anything. Like, 
I'll use this as an example. Bo Aki yesterday, I know people were looking at his penalties, but what was he doing in the offensive zone? He was running around. I don't know if uh, Colin Chalk gave him the green light or what, but I'm like, <laughs> did he just take an offensive zone penalty? What's he doing? Like, So I, I think that kind of maybe is a small example of the type of hockey it is, but some guys are able to show a little bit of skill and they have those individual flashes and, and, and that's great. And, and I think those are the little things you can jot notes on, but it, it, overall the best way to describe this tournament from my experiences, boys is a scramble. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I've watched how many games over the years, just exactly what you said. You could go to a junior game and the hockey's better, right? Yeah. These guys are, you know, camp invites. So you would expect maybe if they were working on systems, the, the quality would be better over time, but not in something like this. It's just, yeah. uh, you know, there's players, you know, across the league that I've, you know, watched in junior and they're just getting lit up in these young stars tournaments or whatever they're called, wherever. And then, you know, look, <laughs> Chicago's all wild over <laughs> Bedard, you know, scoring three on, you know, like in these, uh, and who didn't expect them to score three right in his first game. And Fantilli's lighting it up. Even Jordan Dumay, who I've got, uh, a soft spot for in my heart because he's a, a Halifax Moosehead. You know, he got six points, I think, his first game. And he's, you know, he's not going to be a good? rookie of the year candidate <laughs> if he, uh, <laughs> you know, if he makes a team, right? Of course, who knows? Now they've got a new coach. We'll get into that. Yeah, games <laughs> like that, you know, you're you're finally getting chemistry with your line mates by the time you throw your bag over the shoulder and you're heading to the bus, you know? Like, you just want to get to the airport and get home and get on with it. And I think for guys like Borgo, like, they're just looking forward to, you know, the exhibition season now and yep. getting out and playing with real NHLers and and getting a little bit of a taste of some top six and games like that. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, you know, there's always the the Perlini or Ty Ratty award winner for every preseason. So I don't know what we'll see there. Well, and, and dash, like I'll just add one other thing about that while you're describing that. I I thought of, well, what if you see Borgo in a preseason game with a couple of guys that he played with all season long last year on the Condors Mm -hmm. and, and all of a sudden they're snapping around they've got their set plays and they try little things and you're like, Oh, there it is. Well, why didn't he do that last weekend? Guess what? Cause he's just out there trying to figure out what the hell's going on because it's yeah. a different style of game. Yeah. Cause he just met group. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. What do you think uh, as far as high end potential offensive ceiling goes between Petrov and Borgo, who do you think will really come out on top as the real offensive magician out of those two? I mean, they're different questions, but good question. Um, at one point when I was watching those guys, work it around. I'm like, this is the next wave of skilled guys that at some point are going to have to replace Hyman, Connor Brown, Nugent Hopkins. Like these guys are going to have to, if this team wants to have a prolonged window outside of these next few years that I know is very much in the spotlight, deservedly so, then I think one or both are going to have to step up. I like you, you want to give the first rounder the benefit of the doubt, but you watch Petrov and you're like, this guy's got a lot of the tools that you want. He moves well. He's big. Um, he's confident. Everything is silky smooth. Like it should be Borgo. Right. But the more I watch Petrov and what he brings to the table, now I want to watch him in his defensive zone. I want to watch him against guys that are 25 and have played in the league for four years and 
and how he battles on the wall and, and things like that. Those are elements that need to be seen. But, you know, there's a reason why that the Oilers get excited and they start to salivate when they talk about Petrov, but not taking anything away from Borgo, he's going to get his crack at it too. I would say I would put Borgo slightly above Petrov right now, but I'm, I'm so close to just saying like Matt, Matt Vey Petrov figures out the NH, the AHL first. Let's yeah. start there. If he figures that out really quickly and he advances quick, I think he might have an inside track to, to get in crack at the Oilers lineup. And then there, if he figures out how to play with either McDavid, Drysaddle, Ryan McLeod, whoever, if he just shows responsible play defensively and then that offensive ability does come out, I could see him passing Borgo and, and becoming a top six guy. And who knows, maybe Borgo finds a way to get there too, or maybe Borgo takes off this year in his second year in the AHL. But there's something about... Petrov that you look at and you're like, geez, there's a lot of raw talent there. And he seems to be going down the right path. And it's hard to, to, you know, you got Borgo right here and you're like, here's the first rounder from a couple of years ago, should be on his way to putting together an NHL career. But then you see this other guy and you're like, that looks really good too. And so I'm intrigued and tantalized by the ability Petrov shows but uh, we'll see what Borgo can do. And, and guess what? If both of those guys can find a way, then you're making the Oilers brass look like geniuses. Yeah. Well, I always thought with Petrov, I mean, one of the things uh, was, you know, not playing for the Russian team right in the world juniors. Mm-hmm. I think had he played there, he probably would have been, you know, higher than sixth round pick. Like he just, there was talent there, but, you know, going to the, you know, coming to Canada and playing in the CHL didn't do him any favors for getting on the team. Right. Yep. It was and that so, weird draft yeah. where you didn't really get to see a lot of players play either. There was so many junior That's seasons right. canceled everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. We're seeing the ripple effect of that. The, the COVID years, it stunted guys. It held guys back late bloomers didn't get an opportunity. Like, I, I don't know what the next three or four years of the last couple of drafts, what these guys will actually be like, it's you're, you're handicapped trying to figure out what they were a few years ago. Now, what are they? I don't know. You know I don't think a lot of said to me that intrigued me. How much better would Connor Bedard be if he got to play full seasons? Right. Like it was messed up. It was a messed up time. Yeah. 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 So anybody at the, um, you know, like Max Warner, obviously last year, lots was made about uh, Max. Have you heard anything like the view on him uh, going into this year? And um, I, you know, what, what was the deal? Like he got suspended for a couple of games, right? Like when he got back, was it like token up or something like that? Or no, like, no, it wasn't that it, without going into too much detail. <laughs> like, it was off ice infractions that broke CHL policy, and yeah. um, we'll leave it at that. And he was good to go for the playoffs. And but it's not an if, ongoing problem. Like this is no, a, no. Yeah. I think if you know off of public record, and you and I were sitting around having a beer and discussing what he did, we'd be like, oh, yeah, one guy having fun, okay, and yeah. and no one would bat an eyelash at it. Well, I'm perfect. I've never done yeah. anything done. <laughs> oh I've never done anything. I've We've never done not, anything. None of us else. have done anything. <laughs> That's right. All oh, yeah. those right. stories you told me, Michael. <laughs> yeah. 
must have been. Oh, that's good. And and um, did you hear anything about uh, you know? I mean, this is now his, his second year at uh, rookie camp, and then uh, I assume he'll be at camp. Um, I liked his no. grit with Warner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, he plays with that little bit of truculence that we need. Yeah. Uh, just talking, hearing from Ken Holland today at the the media uh, golf tournament, he liked what he saw from him. So that that's a good sign. He he brought him up without prompt. And uh, I think usually that's that's probably a good indicator that they like the path that this player is going down. So keep an eye on him because the Oilers blue line and the prospects like the shelves are kind of bare. So, you know, you want one of these guys to surprise you at some point. And he's kind of one of the front runners in that regard. Yeah. yeah. What about goaltending? I mean, we've got uh, obviously uh, Rodrigue had a better year last year. Um, you know, it, it just outside of Rodrigue, I mean, it doesn't feel like there's a lot again in the cupboards, uh, anything out of that, that you, you know, maybe I didn't get a chance to listen to Holland if, uh, if it was, um, published anywhere, but, uh, did he mention anything around goaltending? No, that's been, that's been quiet. And up outside of the three guys that they have at the top and then, you know, Rodrigue is kind of the work in progress. Uh, I know they had day. You know, he was down at the Young Stars Classic, um, but that's that's if anything a few years down the road. Uh, Crapshoot. I mean, things yeah. can change with these guys so quickly. Um, if a, a coaching regime changes, they don't like the guy that's in the system. He's gone. So, I mean, even if you're looking three years down the road, I wouldn't put too much stock into it at this point. But outside of Rodrigue, who they've gro- groomed and worked on and helped you know, build up into a legitimate pro goalie. Um, you know, it's just all, all of those other guys are a work in progress. <laughs> Shoots to the value of Picard though, too, or Pickard, right? Like, I mean, Pickard, yeah. having that, he, uh, he, I've never seen, I'll say this guys, I saw it in training camp last year and after preseason games, I really haven't seen goalies hug it out. Like those three did <laughs> after games, there was like, there was a couple I didn't have to do post game for a couple of preseason games. So I was in the room working, getting interviews, doing, doing the usual stuff. And I remember, I think it was Stu started one of the games and and he had an all right night and Calvin Pickard was backing him up and he went and he hugged it out with him. And I was like, that was very nice. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember Talbs and LB ever doing that. I don't remember uh, Devin Dubnik doing that with Nikolai Habi Bulin or or Richard Bachman, like just hugging it out. And it was sincere. It wasn't a show of anything. Um, so he's kind of, he's kind of the third wheel. And, and in our oil stream um, rankings of importance, I, I actually mentioned Calvin Pickard as honorable mention because, mm-hmm. you know, if a guy goes down, then I don't think there's any hesitation to bring him up because he has been a, a starter briefly at times in the NHL. I think he was on one of those, God awful Colorado teams for a bit. So he's been around and he's, he's reliable enough that you could throw him in for a couple of games. And you know what, if, if a guy goes down big time, you kind of have that safety net, if you will, for a few games to give the other guy rest. Longer the days of Billy Smith and, and Hextall. Hey, I think we got two or maybe three of the nicest guys in the <laughs> entire are. world. When it, like, is it wasn't Campbell's other nickname, Ned? Because he's so nice, like Ned Flanders or something. Like. Yes. Well, I'll tell oh, really quickly. I'll give you like so. You're in the room. You're talking to these guys, and 
you get to know them a little bit. And uh, I'm, I'm so used to just like, especially now that I don't work for the team and I did yeah. the five years at TSN, you're kind of on the other side and the older guys that you were there with trust you and they'll, you'll have your conversations that you've always had with them, whether it was on the plane or at the hotel, wherever. Uh, but the newer guys like, like Jack Campbell, he sincerely, he's like, what's going on, Tom? How are you? <laughs> what did you do over the break? <laughs> and you're having cares? like these. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Matthias Ekholm is the same way. He's like, Hey, what, what was that thing you were talking about the other day in the room? And, oh, that was funny. And you're like, oh, you want to have a conversation. I don't have to leave <laughs> immediately because you're annoyed by me. And, and Jack Campbell is one of those guys. So is Stu Skinner. So it, that is very much a thing. Um, Cam Talbot was like that. So was Devin Dubnik. But they, they do have, I'll call them their sweetheart guys like they're just so it's, an oil, it's an oilers goalie thing we're going to uh <laughs> take a break because i leave everybody with the visual of the oilers goalies hugging it out <laughs> when we when we get back we'll talk about connor brown some of those predictions and uh, projections for connor as he joins this is oilers live from the heavy hockey network proud to be a friend of edmonton sports talk we'll be right back Hey, 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 it's Michael back with uh, Oilers Live Tuesday on EdmontonSportsTalk.com. And if you want to join in the chat, head on over to YouTube.ca slash Heavy Hockey. We've got as our guest uh, Tom Gazzola tonight. And my co-host and sidekick Dash in the Park is with me. Uh, I could get used to these breaks, you know, a little bit of a recharge, get a little, uh, you know, bubbly or coffee, you know, I mean, something to keep me going. It's it's after midnight here in Atlantic Canada. As Reed Wilkins said uh, the next day, I'm like a cyborg on some barge in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, was, was, <laughs> speaking speaking of Reed Wilkins, he, he joins the chat. <laughs> 
come on. That's hilarious. No way. There we go. Wow. Great timing. His ears were burning. He also called yeah. you a zombie super fan, which was pretty oh, funny too. Man. That was one All of my right. I love Reed. Uh, so does Tom have a problem with expressing his emotions directly to the person whom he loves? Yes. All right. I'll let and you in. Okay. <laughs> you of need course. you guys just talk. Well, Michael, I'll stand <laughs> back here. <laughs> we need a moment, fellas. We need a moment. Reed and I need to hash some things out before we get to the rig tomorrow, evidently. <laughs> right on. Right on. We had uh, Reed on two weeks ago now. Oh, I love Reed. He's a hell of a guy. He is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. hilarious. I, I can only imagine. I've not had the uh, opportunity to meet him uh, in person yet, but uh, hopefully when I'm out there for the heavy hockey showdown, we get uh, we get together and uh, I can buy him a couple beers. Yeah. Uh, all good. Uh, let's, uh, let's chat about Connor Brown. I mean, we've got, um, you know, this is probably – the most talked about thing maybe uh, in the off season now is what the expectations are for Connor Brown. Um, a lot of depth charts have them going uh, at least starting on the top line with Connor McDavid. Sure. Um, you know, how long is that going to last? And and if it does, if it lasts all season, which you, I mean, you got to expect Woody to change him up as he always does and, and do different things. But if he ends up playing most of his time with McDavid, you got to expect a big bump in, uh, in stats. Yeah. What's your thoughts? I think, first of all, whatever he does, the, the bar is set so low by the lack of production by Yamamoto and Pugliarvi mm. that, and, and I think he'll surpass what they did pretty quickly. Uh, at least he should, if he stays healthy. So I think that's a boon to the team. Um, with him, numbers-wise, like I don't know what he's going to get for power play time, if any. But five-on-five, five, where you want this team to be successful, tilt the ice, create momentum, get power play opportunities. He needs to be like a pest on the puck. He needs to be like Hyman. He needs to dig. He needs to get open if McDavid or Drysaddle or try to find him backdoor. He's got to bury some of those. So I, I think like 40 points is adequate. But would I like to see 50? Yep. Do I think that's well within reason? Yep. I think 50 would be quote unquote good. 60 would be excellent. And mm-hmm. um, I, I think, you know, there might be some out there knowing Oiler fans that'd be like 60. This is a, a top line right wing. You're going to play him with McDavid. McDavid's going to score 155 points minimum, maybe get up to 65, 70. Well, how can your right winger only give you 50 to 60 points? Well, you just watched two right wingers give the Oilers like 30 to 40 points over the last couple of years. And people are like, well, maybe they'll be okay next year. And <laughs> I think you've got an established guy that should be able to minimum get you that 40, probably get to 50 and then push for 60. And then we keep in mind that this is likely mostly even strength points. So I, I like, I think when you, when you break it down that way, you go, yeah, all right, that, that should be adequate. So um, the other thing, too, like how he is defensively, that'll be important if uh, he's not coughing up pucks on the wall like a couple of those other guys we just mentioned. I'll also throw in Zach Cassian. Zach Cassian coughed away pucks uh, a lot on the wall, and, and the turnover is going back the other way. That led to goals. So if Connor Brown can chip in and help with the team defense as a five-man unit, maybe lessen the burden on the actual defenseman and 
the goalies don't have to face that, you know, extra opportunity five seconds after making one or two 10 bell saves. That'll also have a, a, a small effect, but an important one too. So if he can bring that and just generally elevate the level of play from the forwards by being consistent and reliable and chip in with some offense. To me, that's a bonus. And at four million with the with his bonuses at the end of the year in this day and age in the National Hockey League, I think that's relatively good. Yeah. Yeah. Dash, thoughts? I just you know, he bring he's a bit of a it's it's a, gonna be a, a dip, an interesting experiment. I really do think that. I hope he stays healthy because it's mm-hmm. gonna be so important to the lineup if we can keep him in there for anywhere from sixty to eighty games. I still think he can contribute if he's gonna be up on the top line. And I'm sure that he'll start there. And if he does, that's that's fine. Whatever, rake your junior chemistry in, and I think that's all fluey, anyways. But anyways, they'll have a good enough showing. Great, he sticks there. And then at least you've got that motor on each line. You've got Hyman on the second line with Dryan Nuge and Connor Brown up there. Then you've also got that defensive responsibility all through the lineup. You know, Connor Brown can be defensive, um, responsibly defensive, uh, as well as Nuge on the second line and McLeod on the third line. You've got speed up and down the lineup that way with Fogel and McLeod on the third line and Brown and Hyman split up. It it really brings that all around depth to the top nine and, on those nights where you want to bring it in waves, you can. And then on those other mm-hmm. nights where you think you've got that superstar first line that you're up against, then throw Nuge, Brown, and Hyman together or something for a defensive, you know, stalwart of a line, if you will. It's still hard to call them one, two, or three on any given night. So I just hope he stays healthy so we can see that all come into play. Um, and then I would just add to that is, is penalty kill. Uh, if he gets anywhere close to the amount of penalty kill time with Woody that he did when he was in previous clubs in Ottawa, then mm. I think we're laughing. And, and that's, you know, I would argue the penalty kill is one of the biggest places we need improvement. Big time. Yeah. UK was dog awful for the start <laughs> of the year. Like how, how many nights were we going, especially uh, like doing the post game show, uh, Matt Cassian and I would sit there and be like, how many did they give up tonight? How many games is that in a row? And I'd be sitting, rifling through the game notes and going through the game log. I'm like, well, they've, you know, let in uh, a goal on the, the power play, you know, 19 of their last 24. And they're just like, oh, my God. It was an improvement over years past, though. So, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> sorry. yeah. yeah. Does it mean much to improve Does again this year? Much? That's the yeah. big question, is it not? You know, like, you mean... Oh, we'll see what Dave Arnay does too, Dad. Aside, like those yeah. guys aren't going to get a lot of time in. So, yeah. can we do enough? Is Connor Brown enough to improve it? Dave Arnay is going to factor into this. I mean, if Broberg doesn't beat him out uh, for a spot, um, just the the pucks. He he seems to just eat up pucks and gets in the way. And being you know seven foot nine or whatever the hell he is, like yeah, that's that could be a factor as well. And and but yeah, they're. And they were off. And I would ask Cass, I would ask Belzy. I'm like, what's going on on this PK? Especially when it was struggling in the first few months of the year. And they're like, well, they're always late on like the, the strategy was good. Basically I'll sum it up like the way the boys did. And they went into the X's and O's of it. They talked about crossing rainbow road, 30% chance. It's likelier to go in if you get the the puck through the middle uh, on the power play and all that stuff. But basically he's like, the system was good. The execution 
from an Oilers standpoint, was like a second or two behind. And they made that one critical error every game that just left that brief moment of opportunity for other teams' power plays. And power plays are so good. There's so much skill now that they got capitalized against. And the goalies weren't making the saves. I remember a game against the Jets about halfway through the year where like we, and it was either Jack or somebody kept mentioning just how, how stretched out the Winnipeg power play was and how long they were and how big they were. And, you know, they had Lowry and these giants out there. And I noticed the transition in our game. Once we had Bukestad and once Nima Linen started to get minutes in there and DeHarnay as well, how, you know, we did start to see those little steps of improvement towards the end of the year. And again, like, do you think that's a testament, Tommy, to like, if you're a split second behind in the NHL, it could literally be the difference between you having yep. seven foot reach or five foot reach. Yep. And like, and a perfect example of that is, you know how they would always try to circle from the inside to the outside to force the guys to the wall. Derek Ryan. Well, they, they'd be a, like a split second behind and it would leave the pass. I said rainbow road, par- pardon me. That's Mario Kart talk, Royal road <laughs> through the middle. <laughs> Um, but they, they would always be late on that loop in the force to the outside that the defenseman could take a step or the guy that is, is covering the backside was his stick was in the wrong spot or he was, he was a second behind and would leave it wide open. You got a couple passes through the middle and you've got your goalie going post to post and everybody's scrambling in front of them. And yeah, it would lead to goals against. It was that one, like just that one half step. And they finally started to figure it out later in the year, but I would watch and I would be like, Cass, like, why do they keep trying this, this loop to the outside? Everybody's reading it and they're taking advantage. Cass was just like, it's the right play. Mm -hmm. They're just, their timing is off and they're getting murdered for it. I can see it like a good improvement as well as if, uh, no, I don't know what your thoughts on the PTOs and who might make it and, you know, we've all speculated maybe Sam Gagne is around even just to play 30 games, but be around the dressing room and add leadership. I almost feel like uh, Sutter almost potentially has a better chance of making the team. He's just, he's more of what we need. He shoots right-handed. He's the size. He's the skill. He's the PK. Um, I know he hasn't played in a while, but Sam's coming off two surgically repaired hips. Yeah. You know, do you think that those guys can play enough to be able to also contribute in that way? Yeah. <sighs> Sutter, if like the, from what I'm told with Sutter, he needs to figure out what he has left in the tank, what kind of hockey player he is right now. Oilers, they're giving, they're giving him that opportunity. Uh, He dealt with the long COVID. Obviously something wasn't right with his body. We've seen Jonathan Taves go through this to the point where he's stepping away this year. And, and Sutter a few years ago, would be the perfect guy. Yeah. You know, not for four or five million a year, but yeah. he was the exact type of centerman that the Oilers could use. So they're throwing him a, a rope and taking a flyer on him and, and we'll see what he is in training camp. But the Sutter we watched uh, a few years ago, a hundred percent. That's the guy that would be perfect. We don't know if he is that we're, we're going to have to see starting on Thursday when they hit the ice. And then on Sunday, if he plays in that first game and, it's it's truly a test for him. With Sam, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him in the preseason just because of the the hip surgeries. Yeah. Um, I, I think he, the loyalty to Sam, the type of oiler he's been, 
his connection to not only the guys that are still on the team, but Jeff Jackson as well, even Kenny Holland. Like, I think you're going to see Sam around the team and, and depending on the health, he'll, he, he might end up in Bakersfield briefly. I think he, there's an ag- agreement there that he would be okay with that. And then if, if the body responds positively, then sure. I think we that's could my him. biggest question is if he'd go to Bakersfield or not, or if he'd just hang around the team and, and be in the dressing room, you know, and, and, and maybe play 20 to 40 games tops, yeah. right? Like, he, you know, he's not going to play the whole season. You would Mike, think, but all indicators are he is willing to, to go down to Bakersfield. Yeah. If he needs that, that paper transaction, like sure as he was. Yeah. <laughs> that's right right how many times did he go up and down without leaving his couch <laughs> like <it> was, yeah <laughs> you know what there's a glue guy really nice guy yeah. very happy for him to get that deal in seattle and then just with ernie um you know call it a favor call it you know relationships from the past he listen he'd have to be lights out in training camp and really beat out one of those veteran guys to get a, a full-time contract so it sounds like it's more for him an opportunity to showcase himself and maybe get a, a deal somewhere else the way we saw Versteeg do that in 16. Right. Um, yeah. And then, and then, you know what, if, if he finds a, a rhythm and groove and shows well in, in training camp and preseason and he's willing to take a two way deal, maybe they find a way to make that happen. But that's kind of a, an outlier. It sounds like right now. Yeah, and McCurdy said it uh, on last week. He was talking about it. I mean, it's a good opportunity for the Oilers to play, you know, the proper amount of vets yep. in preseason, right? And so Absolutely. You know, whether or not he makes a team or not isn't really, a, you know, part of the equation. If he, he does show, if he has lights out, then, hey, great, <laughs> right? If he's okay. not, you didn't lose anything. No. Maybe you saved a guy from playing a preseason game right and that's just it right like another veteran doesn't have to make a road trip or you meet a, r- a ratio on the road yeah um yeah I, I like the comparison of of versteeg i think that's probably something we might see i don't think it's because army doesn't deserve a spot i just think it's because you know like i think he was second on the team in hits he was he led the team in block shots for forwards is the type of player you probably want i joke that he was the future considerations for uh <laughs> um Oh, why am I losing for the clean deal? Clean, yeah. Right? Because he got sent off for futures and then all of a sudden this showed up. So don't don't get wrapped up in those future considerations. That's always <laughs> just uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, buy us a nice meal when we're in town. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh is there um like okay, the big I think the big battles, right? Are for that who's gonna take that PTO spot, right? And then the uh Broberg and the uh, DeHarnay battle. Yep. Right. Any other battles we should be watching for that uh, maybe might not be so evident to uh, folks watching from the outside? Just, and I know there's a lot of hype around this guy or a lot of intrigue is Lavoie. This is make or to break it for him. So just let's see what he does. He's going to play a lot. They're going to put him in a lot of great opportunities. They'll, they'll work him up and down the lineup in preseason games. And uh, they're going to try to give him, from my understanding, as many chances to show that he might be ready to become an NHL player. Um, whether or not he is, time will tell. But it, it, does, it doesn't sound like there's like another year of waiting for Raphael Lavoie. It's like, okay, man, you had a great finish the last year. You've been in the system for a long time. 
We know you've had injuries, but there isn't a lot of wiggle room and patience anymore, especially with those young guys like we talked about, Petrov, Burgo, maybe a Savoy, Tulio's name is in the mix now. So this is this is it. This is a huge camp for Lavoie, and let's see how he performs. And, I, I, you know, I think some people just reading texts that come into the station and some of the YouTube chat now that we're live on, on the YouTube side of things, uh, they, they, they're rooting for Lavoie. And it's like this, like optimism and kind of being like, well, he scored, you know, 20, whatever last year and had a great finish to the year. Why can't he be a top six guy because of his size and he can skate. Okay. It's like a, the top six is pretty much full. I would argue the top nine is, and if, if he does crack this lineup by having an outstanding training camp, I think it is, you know, working his way up bottom six. And if he, if he, plays better and performs better than Holloway, you know, then he might push Holloway out of the way to, to get that first look. But I think Holloway has uh precedent over Lavoie hundred percent, just because a, they like Holloway. The, the kid made the team last year and, and B like, I think Holloway's ceiling is probably higher than Lavoie's. Yeah. yeah and I, you know, I think it's hard for some fans and not the guys that listen to our show because they're smart. <laughs> but uh, some folks to uh, you know un- understand that you know some players can't play bottom six in the NHL, right? Like they, mm-hmm. you know, they have to change their game, mm-hmm. right, to do that. And uh, and it is, it's two different styles of play. And so you know, you, it just doesn't do them any favors to come in and and play, you know, bottom six. And and Lavoie might be a guy like that. I mean, he could play on the third line, I think, but. Uh, give him fourth line minutes or play him on the fourth line. I mean, that's yeah. the way a waste of talent for a guy that, you know, might be able to break a lineup someplace else. If, if not in Edmonton at some point. And, and, uh, I think I, you know, I watched him play again in the, in the rookie camp. I thought he looked good. He's definitely a talented player and, and, uh, he's got a future in the league who knows at you know, what level, but, um, you know, he'll play, he'll play some games. I could see definitely. I, I, I like him. I've got a, maybe I'm, I didn't text into the show to say I love the guy or anything, but maybe I will tomorrow. <laughs> I think he's and one of those okay. players you kind of want to cheer for and you want to, you want it to work out for because he's a bit of a unicorn in yep. the way that he plays the game. Right, Tommy? Like he's got that grid. He doesn't mind dropping his gloves. He can still put him in the back of the net. He's got a bit of size. His speed's okay. Right. So you know, sure, he could play a little bit of fourth line minutes, but you already said it. Like, in my opinion, and wholeheartedly, I think Holloway should start the season in the minors. I just don't see an opportunity where he's going to play enough to advance. And, and you know, you got to raise your hands in the air and you got to celebrate a few things when you play hockey. And if you're playing the fourth line or you're playing eight minutes a night, like he was the second lowest in minutes per game of all rookies mm-hmm. last year, right? Mm-hmm. About a 60 some rookies that made it into the NHL. Like you're not going to advance if you're doing that. You've got to play on the power play. You've got to, and you're not going to play on Edmonton's power play. That's not yeah. happening unless you're filling Dry's water bottle. That's your contribution. So you might as well start in the bake where you can. I think, you know, like play top six minutes, really start to get your confidence and then wait for an injury. Yep. So if that's the case, Holloway is your first call up and then maybe Raph is your second or whatever. But I, you know, I like Grube and I think that, you know, he's got a chance to maybe play and get called up as well. So, you know, it's a, I've heard you say it, it's a good problem to have. Um, there's only one spot available and there's probably five or six guys that could grab it. Um, but I see a vet taking it, I think. 
we've seen that before. Like Brad Malone made the team last yeah. year. I think we forget about it. Yeah. And I remember saying to people, I'm like, my dark horse to make the team is Brad Malone. Listen, there's cap implications yeah. and all of that. I think Shore um, made the opening lineup too. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, that's right. And I remember talking to Bugsy and I was like, dude, you're going to make the opening night lineup. He's like, my wife is going to be pissed. We bought all this <laughs> new furniture. We just bought a house in Bakersfield. And she's like, you're still up in Edmonton. You made the team. And I'm like, what's she complaining about? You're making NHL extra bucks right for now. a moving van. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. And he stayed, I think he was there for like a week Bugs and a half, two weeks, really but it was just funny. I'm like, Bugsy, you made the team. He's like, I know my wife is even more mad now because I don't know when I'm coming back. <laughs> you know, we've seen some guys, this may, you know, maybe change the topic a little bit before. But we can go I stick there just break. for a second? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Is that for go transition? Because there's one more thing that's probably up for grabs and it's not a spot on the team, but it's, uh, it's the starters net. And I'm a little bit interested in, in your thoughts on that actually, because uh, I think I heard you say that you'd start Skinner in the first game of the year and yeah. for the Oilers opener. And I might challenge you on that a little bit. And it's only because that game's on the road. Um, you know, they got that home and home with Vancouver to start. And I thought it maybe be good to give Campbell the start in Vancouver. And then when you come back to hockey night in Canada on Saturday and give Skinner the, the shot in his hometown in Edmonton for that one. But um, where do you, where do you think that, comes out as far as who would be the starter on opening night and who do you think is going to get more starts this year? Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be Stuart Skinner. And, and I understand that like the Saturday night home opener, this is going to be a big season. Uh, yeah. Stu is from here, but the opening night of the season, regardless of where it's at, at home or on the road, usually you're giving that start to your guy mm. and you're saying, this is your net. Now, if Jack Campbell is lights out and Stu Skinner stinks it up in training camp and they have to start Jack opening night, then okay, I get that. And and I feel like Jack Campbell should be able to push Stuart Skinner this year. And I think that's a good thing. And I think that keeps both guys on their toes. And if you don't have a goalie taking a month of the season off, basically, to get new goalie gear, figure out his game, rebound from calling his performances pathetic like they had to do last year I think that's a win but I do think Stu Skinner it is his net right now going into training camp and I think he's gonna have to really get outperformed by Jack Campbell to lose that net I think I think it's gonna be Stu getting most of the starts but I do think and and from what I hear and what I'm told is like the ideal situation is that it's it's like 50 32 okay. um and and closer to 41 41 than we might anticipate as opposed to going you know 60 22 or whatever i think you know it's going to be closer than than we think and i don't think Stu skinner is going to just run away as the de facto starter and they're going to him every single night like they did down the stretch because they had to yeah, I think that this this is going to have to be a tandem thing, and they need and want and expect Jack Campbell to play much better. So does Jack Campbell. So do we. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's just fine. And if yeah. that's yeah, and I, but opening night, I still think it is Skinner. And I think you know you're going to find you know at the end of the year, whoever's played the most was the best, right? Like that's mm-hmm. just how it's going to shake down, right? And I and I'm more likely to think they'll start Skinner too if the camp goes well. I, the other thing is I, you know, I don't, I think he's had his rookie season now. Right. And those kind of games while still important as a player, 
you know, playing at home, he's played at home now, right? He's mm-hmm. had his, you know, inaugural Oilers debut for, and he's played on hockey night in Canada. So they're really important still to the players, I think, but um, maybe less so now. And and now you're looking at what's the end goal here and that's to make it to the playoffs and then, yep. and then move, uh, move forward this year. Hey, and one more thing like with hockey night and I love hockey night Canada, like anybody does, but like when they're showing like five games on a Saturday to start the season, it's not the same as the double header or the yeah. one game yeah. on a Saturday. It's changed a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I mean, yeah. I've heard Campbell in interviews, right. And it sounds like he's taken all this as a blessing in disguise. And, mm-hmm. you know, if it wouldn't have happened the way it did, he wouldn't have went home and worked on the things that he did. And so I, I think you're right. Obviously, you know, there's, you can't have two bad seasons like that in a row. You know, we no. saw him change his equipment. I think that'd be a big, big plus for him to be able to be comfortable there. We've seen him change his goalie coach. We've seen him, you know, make all sorts of adjustments in order to, you know, get used to a new town for crying out loud, right? New teammates, yep. new dressing room. So I, I think we'll see nothing but good things there for sure. Um, and as far as Skinner goes, you know, it's a whole new set of pressure this year now. Right. Like you, you said it, he's got his rookie season out of the way, but that comes with a whole new set of set of expectations. Now you're, you're the starter, you've been to the playoffs and you know, do you think, do you think he's ready for that, Tommy? He has to be, I mean, there's, there's <laughs> yeah. no more tiptoeing around it or yeah. being like, well, I'll give it a shot and see how I do kind of thing. It's like, Hey man, we need you. You need to be better than you were last year and, and go out and do it to his credit. Um, as he's progressed throughout his career from level to level, gets to one level, struggles, gets better, gets yeah. to the next level, struggles, gets better. And and we witnessed, you know, him have a very good regular season, played a little bit too much down the stretch again, because, you know, what could you trust from Jack Campbell? And then in, in the playoffs, he did not play particularly great. Absolutely. hundred percent. So now let's see how he bounces back. What's interesting that, that him keeping the stick from when he, broke it on that fan play when Deneau buried in LA like that. I've never really seen or heard a story like that where you kept something to remind yourself of a mistake to motivate you. And that's a neat thing about his character. Yeah. Um, so I, I I'll give him the benefit of the doubt going into the year and, and go back to his track record of how he seems to improve after going through those types of lessons and experiences mm-hmm. and go, okay, Dash, I think Stu Skinner, by putting that formula together, should be ready to take the next step and and improve upon what he wasn't able to do last year. Should is different than actually going out and doing it. Time will tell. But in in getting geared up for the season, I think he should be able to elevate himself, especially in the playoffs. He based it on history. That's, that's, you know, he's trending. Yeah. And you know what? We could be on here again in a few months, boys. And I, I could be just having egg all over my face and being like, what happened to Stu Skinner? I don't think that's going to happen, but it could because goalies, it's voodoo, as, as Low Tide likes to say. All right, mark that down. We're going to get Tommy back in a few months. Uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we get back, we'll talk about the defense, uh, some of the improvements there. We'll talk a little bit more about goaltending because defense uh, ultimately leads to some better goaltending. This is Oilers Live from the Heavy Hockey Network. Proud to be a friend of Edmonton Sports Talk. We'll be right back.
Hey, 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 it's Michael back with Oilers Live Tuesday. We've got as our guest Tom Gazzola from EdmontonSportsTalk.com. Also, you know, when I was making the uh, titles for the show, I'm like, I'm looking at your Twitter profile and you've got like 8 million things listed. What aren't you? Who aren't you writing for and correspond? Who aren't you a correspondent <laughs> right now? Like NHL well, Network. I mean, I, I'm sitting in my truck some days listening to Sirius XM and out comes Tom Gazzola. Talk, uh, talk with the guys on Sirius XM. And I think, yeah, you know, at least, at least they got somebody good. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> well, they've had negative that's... folks before. Yeah. Yeah. First time I've heard that, so I appreciate it, Michael. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I love I love the the whole crew, all the guys at SiriusXM, NHL Network uh, Radio, NHL Network, which we don't actually really get here in Canada. It's interesting because I'm one I'm one of their Edmonton correspondents, but like some years I'll do you know ten or fifteen hits with them. Last year I think I did one. I did one in August this year, so maybe I'll do more. It's just whenever they need me, basically. And then, yeah, I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to be on TSN radio anytime soon. <laughs> I, I actually did Sportsnet radio in Calgary with Patty Steinberg. And I was like, nice. oh, my God, Pat, we get to work together again. We we worked the last time together on a Young Stars classic broadcast, I think in yeah. like 2015 or 16. Um, but and then and he's like, yeah, he's like, I, I don't have to call you by that three letter station anymore which is interesting on the radio side because I, there might be some TV stuff. I don't, I'll know when they tell me, but um, yeah, I just, you know what, boys, I like talking about hockey. I like talking about sports. I'm a dork and I admit it and uh, I'll do it any day, anytime. And uh, it's, it's the best. So we're, we're playing in the sandbox as Rashog says, That's and great. I just hopefully appreciate it as much as possible. And hopefully I can get to do it. For as long as possible, too. We're all dorks, and I know you mentioned that Rashog <laughs> is like you know the highest on the dork hierarchy, and that's a compliment. But he's a turbo dork, like yeah. absolutely, yeah, absolutely cyborg dork. Yeah, that's yeah. a great description for him. You know, no, you it's great that, that story of uh, Stuart Skinner keeping his broken stick, and it reminded me of something. You know, I look over at my Oilers live, and for those of you who can't see on the video here because you're listening. He's rocking this Rod Farva mustache from Super Troopers for the last few weeks. Like he's Mario. Like getting recruited for the RCMP here. I'm not sure what's going on, but it made me ask you the question. Did you keep that mustache? Because that's you just, you know, keeping one piece of your mistake to remind you of the rest of the facial hair you shouldn't have kept or <laughs> what's going on with that thing, buddy. It's, it's to dust away the bad chirps <laughs> coming my way. <laughs> there. They're here. They're here. Uh, you know what? I love the mustache. It's, it's staying for a little while. And uh, we had uh, Tommy thinking of Super Mario and who knows why, but, uh, you know, he's talking about Rainbow Road and all I can think of is maybe I should have worn my Mario hat. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, subliminal. And it gets more comments on the uh, chat than I ever thought it would, but who knows until, until I'm told to... Uh, to shave it, I guess I'll keep it for a little while. It seems to get a lot of commentary. Not never a bad thing, right? No. Nope. Uh, I was going to ask. So there's a couple of things you brought up. Steinberg. I lived in Calgary for a while. Uh, they almost talk about the Oilers more than they talk about the Flames on 960. It's right? ridiculous. <laughs> Who wouldn't? But here's the other part of that is, uh, and how? Okay, you're watching the rookie camp, the the uh, young stars there. Uh, at the rookie camp, I get a kick every year when it's the Oilers 
and the flames, whether it's Jack and whoever, there's always a little bit of grilling between the two. <laughs> and whoever's on the Calgary side and whoever's on the Edmonton side, like there's a little bit of a, and you can hear it kind of as an undertone, like a little rivalry. And they yep. call it out sometimes. They say, you know, I'm being a homer here. And then uh, what Jack said that one point, he, and he goes, yeah, yeah, you are, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> there's a few barbs there, and I love it. And uh, so when you, did you call a game? I might have missed it, but did you call one of the games? Yeah, I did. For that one where Pat and I, were, we were in the booth together. I've, I've actually done color commentary um, yeah. a bunch. Like, I, when I lived in Oklahoma City during that lockout in 2012, oh, right. when we'd go on the road, I, I – I, I worked with uh, Jimmy Byers. He was a great uh, classic play-by-play guy called Triple A Baseball. He remembered going to cover Trappers games when they played against uh, uh, the Oklahoma City. I think they were the Redbirds back in the day, and then they've changed their names like 19 times since. But um, yeah, I did some color there. I did some. I actually worked a game with Bob uh, McDavid's rookie tournament mm. game. And he had like five goals. So I've done color commentary. I'm deathly afraid of play by play. I can't, I can't put it together. Or I'm always second guessing myself. Like those guys, the skill that they have to put it together the way they do is amazing. And then the, the, the chirps, the subtle ones, the not so subtle ones, the Edmonton, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary, Vancouver, whatever. Um, like, it's the best because Jack's from Pennsylvania, but Edmonton is home now. <laughs> yeah, and, Park. And yeah, and when you rip a Calgary guy who's from Calgary, it cuts a little deeper, especially <laughs> if it's coming from a guy that's not from Edmonton. An adopted son. Exactly. He's and still not loyal. Yeah, and, and he's been everywhere. And, you know, his, his ties are to like Pittsburgh and New York and, and all of those big cities. Um, so So it has that extra little bit of sting on it. But... Those guys, in the end, those guys are actually our friends, and and yeah. some of it's for show. But when you when you get one that really rattles the cage, it's kind of funny. And and especially during those broadcasts and on those games, they're not the sexiest games or broadcasts. So you can have a little bit of fun. There is a little bit of wiggle room there, and to have that little bit of back and forth uh, running throughout. I'm glad you guys picked up on it, and it's deliberate. And and sometimes it's it's just the subconscious coming f- to the forefront, and you, you let something slip. And at the end of the day, Edmonton's a great city, Calgary's a great city, Vancouver's a great city. We all are fortunate to live in the cities that we do, but uh, that that rivalry adds a little bit of uh, fuel to the flame. And bring it on, man! Like I, I love it. And at the end of the day, everybody goes and has a beer together, and they're friends. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of um, being able to have some wiggle room in a not so sexy broadcast, I've uh, recently been doing color commentary for Love Pro Wrestling. Nice. <laughs> I, I completely get what you mean by the. I, I'm absolutely dumbfounded and baffled with respect for the play-by-play guy whose brain seems to be working at the same speed as his mouth. Because yep. I, I don't know. I I've got more verbal typos per sixty than most. I think, and it generally doesn't come out the way I want it to. But it's a lot easier, and we can kind of sit back, think about your comment while they're doing the play-by-play, and just put in a little barb here and there. Yep. Um, what was uh, perhaps in doing all that? color commentary or broadcast throughout your history what's the craziest thing you ever saw like what was your any slap shot moments where the bench is cleared or anything where you were just speechless and didn't know what the hell to say um well yeah well especially like the first couple times you do it i'm like what what am i what am i doing here i 
I don't know what to say. And, you know, you'd get notes. I talked to Stoff or I talked to uh, Louis DeBrusque and you get little pointers here and there and they kind of help you out. But I do remember uh, like slap shot moment, pardon me, was in San Antonio when the Barons were playing down there and uh, they're playing against a rampage and the, the arena in San Antonio is where the Spurs play. So it doesn't really fit an NHL rink. It's kind of like what Bar- Barkley Center yeah. was when the Islanders were there. Yeah. And uh, that was the first time I had ever seen a rink set up like that. And I'm like, this is crap. Like, they're allowed to play like this? This is so bizarre. And Jimmy Byers was just like, Tom, this is the minor leagues. Nobody gives two craps. As long as they get people in the door and they get paid for the tickets and they buy beer and hot dogs, that's all that matters. And I was like, whoa, okay. Like, this is not the NHL. That's for damn sure. What's Byers um, say about Arizona? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. That's a – how much time do we have tonight, you guys? Like, oh, my God. And then um, my favorite moment that I was like, huh, maybe I can do this, was that rookie game where McDavid scored the five goals. And I, I said something, uh, and I'm like so, – and he goes juke, uh, juice box on – on so-and-so and they used it on TSN nice. and I was like, boom, I'm on TSN. And you know, three, four years later, you're actually on TSN, which was funny. <laughs> but three, four years later, you're like, get me off of TSN. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm like, no, I'm like, I want Rashad's paycheck. What is this? Well, the bureau chief, that's another story. That's right. Bureau <laughs> chief. For Dusty for 12 hours a day. And, and then still right. the so, game show at midnight is a whole nother story. I love it though. I really do. Oh, you're so good, man. Yeah. I've heard you say it, right? That post-game show is like a whole different animal. It's like a rush, right? You get that yeah. adrenaline from the game and you get to really feel, use your empathic abilities to feel the listener. And I, I love the way you handle them too, because, you know, you can be pretty straightforward with some of them. And I'm yelling at my radio a lot more than you are the them, that's for sure. Well, there's gonna days have I want to yell at them, but I've, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Michael. Right, so you're going to have a little bit more leeway to do post-game this year. Yeah. Maybe have some fun with it and do a couple of things you want to do. video now, right? too. Yeah. Video now, too. Yeah. Um, the, I'll tell you what. We <laughs> we were at Canadian Ice House last year for the second half of the season, and there were some really rowdy nights where I was just like, oh, my God. What a, If I could just describe to people the things that I was seeing, people getting thrown out, uh fight the there was one the one fight that i we had to talk about was game one of the la series where everyone was so pent up with emotion and they lose that game and i'm watching like eight like cassian is sitting right across from me in our little booth and maddie brought his wife so amanda was sitting right beside him yeah well matt matt's like trying to talk and and i'm looking at him and he's starting to go like this as he's talking he goes like this to me and he points behind me and all I hear is these tables go flying and I turn around, there's eight man brawl happening. <laughs> and then as that's happening, I'm, I'm seeing Amanda like get closer to Matt because she's worried. And then I see this other guy run behind Matt and Amanda and just sucker punch another guy and they start going. And no so, way. and I'm like, okay, we're going to have to take a timeout, go to break. Uh, Oiler fans are beating <laughs> up Oiler fans. I'm like, yeah. listen, it's game one, you guys relax. And, and of course, me telling people on the radio who are nowhere near, you know, the ice yeah. house is ridiculous. But it, it, the best part was things settled down and the cops came in quickly and they grabbed all those guys by the scruff of the neck, like kids that would get into fights in junior high and high school. And they walked them out. It was such, 
a perfect moment. I wish I could take a video of it. <laughs> that's oh, your slap shot that was, moment there. That was yeah, definitely I, it. That's exactly what I was thinking. Of. Yeah, exactly, Michael. I'm like, yeah. that's the story we needed to hear. The, the best was their heads were hanging in shame as the cops were walking <laughs> them out too. Unbelievable. Can you imagine if you had video for that post game, man? You guys would need to ask for subscribers. You'd be viral long ago. Well, that yeah, was so staff showed me the video and they, they apparently synced it up to my show. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, they were watching in the back and they're like, this yeah. is amazing. Um, that's a typical Tuesday night at Ezzy's back in the day, though. <laughs> <laughs> there were some rough ones there. <laughs> there definitely I you said was. you didn't do any of that stuff, Michael. Well, back in the day, I sure did. You bet I did. <laughs> Mr. Innocent. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, we've got uh, – we're now, you know – now that we're on this live thing, I mean, it's uh, like we get cut off right at the half hour, and that's it. I mean, I could be, you know, I could be talking, and then all of a sudden, boom, nobody can hear me anymore. Uh, we could, I guess we can keep going on YouTube all night if we wanted, but people will stop listening at some point if they haven't already. Um, <laughs> so we've got about 15 minutes left. Uh, I was going to ask you earlier, uh, before Dash cut me off, uh, <laughs> it's the first time, right? Never. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we saw, you know, you see shore go out the door, you see, uh, casting out the door. I was thinking of, I don't know why this popped in my, remember Ryan Jones playing music at the end of the end of the games. Like that was so much fun to watch. Like he was like, you know, you talk about being a glue guy, you know, you, uh, Yamamoto was well liked as far as we knew. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you see these guys around, Who's that guy? Who's replacing all these guys that seem to be these glue guys that are going out the door? And and yep. does that is that great question going to have any effect on the team this year? Um, and you know, I'll throw another name in there, and they called him Vibe Daddy. Was Tyson Berry? Yeah, he was everybody's best friend. Uh, they really liked him, and he was great to us as uh, media members. He would come out and talk, and he wouldn't BS you. He he was great. But um, who would be the glue guy in that room? I would say Doc, maybe. Yeah, well, he's kind of he's one of the spearheads. He's a leader, like he's a vocal leader. Who's the guy that would have everyone over and be that glue guy? They're all really easygoing. Um, I don't know what the ego situation is like. Like you're a couple of the best players in the world. You're gonna have ego, but yeah. there seems to be a true understanding of everybody's in it together and i don't know if there's like necessarily a clown on on the team or a guy that uh you know has the wisecrack at the right moment but everybody seems to get along and and they're all on the same path but you have like sincerely nice guys on the team now you don't have any of those guys that are sharp and who are off on their own or they're they're in bad moods and just these dark clouds hanging over them whenever they're walking around. Like for the most part, all the, all of this group is on the same page. And it, from what I hear, like the big boys like to make sure that everyone parties and is together and has a good time. Um, one of the guys I'll, I'll bring up a guy who has an interesting and kind of fun personality. It's Ryan McClub, but he's yeah. a younger guy, yeah. but he's always laughing. You look at him and he's got that toothless grin. Yeah. You you say something to him and he starts laughing. You're like, oh okay, like you you get it. You you're really easy going. Darnell Nurse is sneaky funny too. Um, Leon, not everyone 
gets Leon, but if you do and he gets you, you're good. Like you're you're fine. Fans of his sense of humor. Oh yeah. What about a guy like Evander Kane? I think back to him. You know, bumping into guys in warm ups and practice and kind of getting them going. And I've heard he's, you know, yeah, taught a few guys how to throw a little bit and stuff. Dash, I'm. I'll tell you when I see stuff like that. Like I'm always a little bit hesitant to be like, oh, that guy's a team player because those guys know the cameras are rolling. Those guys know it's an easy way to, to make good with fans or, or, you know, get in and, you know, be appealing to the fans. It's also a smart play too, but by all accounts to Vander Kane's credit, he's backed it up, how he's acted in the room, how he's been in the community to this point. Um, and there's, you know, I was one of those people that was like, oh, this is, this could be a massive disaster and everything I had heard before was bad. Um, but to his credit, he's been pretty good. So yeah. And, and watching him, and I've said this too on the oil stream and on EST is like, I think he gets it now. Like he's had how many opportunities he's filed for bankruptcy, all the legal stuff he's had to deal with. And now he's got a couple of kids and I think he's starting to think about after playing hockey, what happens and how do you maintain a steady income and what does Evander Kane, the businessman look like? And mm-hmm. I think we're starting to see the beginnings of that. And I think he comprehends cause he is a smart guy uh, and he's very aware that he needs to start um, planting those seeds right now. And, and I think part of that maturation process is, recognizing that and um, all the things he should have known better in years past, he's probably doing it the right way now. Fair to say glue guy by committee. Like everybody's kind of got a role, right? Cloud That's a good way to describe it. Or, yeah. Right. Like, yeah, I think I see Derek Ryan's everybody's favorite dad, right? Like, kind of playing <laughs> yeah. that role. So yeah. And when I heard that, I'm like, Derek Ryan, really? Yeah, right? like, either like, <laughs> He's he's like the grumpy guy that's my age walking around the room and he's still on the team and yeah. they love him. So yeah. that's a testament to to what he's like away from the media. But, you know, usually we get a little taste of what the guys really are like, but apparently he's, he's at the tippy top of their, their one of their favorite guys. One of the first guys they brought back. Now yeah. you've been uh, in the industry for a couple of years now, right? You're still a young <laughs> yeah. guy as far as. Uh, as Compared far to as some of our peers. Yeah. But uh, now I'm now I'm kind of curious because we you know you just brought it up, but these guys are young guys, like you know, mm-hmm. 24, 23, 24, 25. Are you starting to notice now that you're a little bit older, like how young <laughs> they truly are? Do you know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. not I'm not saying you're old. You're not. You're younger than I am. But you know, is there was there a point at when he realized when you were younger following a team, you're probably like, yeah, these guys are you know these are my buddies. These are the same guys I go drinking with. Yep. Now you know, they probably look at, you know, you and, or anybody as being like an older guy now. Right. You know, and, yep. and you're not, but no, that's probably the age that they're at. It, you notice that now? to hanging out with Gretzky's though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's a whole different story. I mean, Ty, Ty's become Ty's one of my good, good friends. Yeah. yeah. He's a, he's a great guy. So that, that's a different story, but um, yes, Michael, um, when guys my age started retiring is when I was like, Oh my God, I'm old. <laughs> like the first shot for me was Mark Fistrick. Cause Mark and I grew up playing hockey together. 
Mm. And, and I know he got bought out and, you know, didn't work out in Anaheim, but like, I was like, you're done. Uh, Sean Bell, when he retired out of Europe, I remember playing against Sean Bell when Dion Phaneuf played against him and Bantam, like he would just mop the floor with us. And I was like, these dudes are done playing. And I'm like, as a hockey player or athlete, like I'm in that age range where you're old. And like, I, I don't look as old as I am. I'm almost 40. And, and some guys don't know that, but the ones who do, uh, like Nugent Hopkins, him and I, like he's 30, he's got, he's got a kid. Yeah. I remember when he was just a baby himself, baby I was, yeah. yeah. And I was like just a few years older than him. And I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. So baby that, Nuge that has, sunk in. yeah, <laughs> baby Nuge has a baby. So that has sunk in and, and, and like, listen, I'm not trying to be their best friends. I'm not on, I'm not part of OEG anymore. Uh, there's, there's a, a separation there, but you know, as one of the younger media guys still in Edmonton, uh, especially with this Oilers media, um, you can relate to them a little bit more. Like if they start telling me about TikTok and how they picked up some girl from seeing their TikTok, I'll be like, I, I hate TikTok. Sorry, boys. I'm out of this conversation. Like <laughs> now, if you want to talk about video games and you want to talk about, uh, you know, documentaries and dorky crap like that, I'm all in Star like Mark Latesto and one. Yeah. F like, Mark Latesto and I would talk video games all the time, you know, like stuff like that. <laughs> and, and so now there is that, you know, these, these are kids, they're young guys. Like I'm almost at the point where the kids that are getting drafted, I'm old enough to be their dad, which is ridiculous. But, uh, <laughs> so, but I think too, on a serious note, it, it is a good thing because like now you recognize it's time to, the mistakes you made before, hopefully you're not making them anymore. How you approach things should be a little bit more refined and different than how you did when you were yeah. 26 years old in the room and dealing with older media. So now, you know, I think this is my 15th or 16th season covering the team. I got started really early, like right out of call. I think I was still in college. Um, so yeah, it, there's, there's a, an aging process there, but embrace it try to adapt. Uh, today, one of our new guys at Edmonton sports talk that we hired, uh, we call him YouTube. Trev was telling me like this TikTok stuff. And he's like, Tom, you're at the rink. You can do this. You can do that. I'm like, yeah, that's easy. I know how to do that. And he goes, well, great. Send it to me. And we're going to put it up on TikTok." And honestly, I was just like, you're going to put it on TikTok on our Edmonton sports talk. Fantastic. Cause I don't know what I'm doing. I'll just send you the video. <laughs> you do whatever you want with it. He's like, I got this. I'll, I'll, I have all these ideas. And I'm like, Wow, I'm old. Yeah. I am so old, but thank God someone else is doing it. And uh, we're at that point. So, yes, that has sunk in, boys. And very recently, I've thought about it. I'm in that generation, <laughs> right, a decade ahead of you, where it was for me, the guys that I grew up watching, like uh, Felino and Sutter and Domi, and now their kids are all yeah. almost out of the NHL. Right? Yeah. Like, I'm not far from seeing. Max Domi's kid in the NHL in 20 years or whatever, right? Like it's, uh, that was for me when I started seeing the generation, um, you know, Nick Felino and Marcus mm -hmm. Felino and these guys start running out of track. I was like, Oh boy. Well, Strudwick <laughs> and I went to high school together. That's yeah, that's right. Idea yeah. of my age. Wow. <laughs> Struds. I love that guy. <laughs> yeah. Beauty. yeah. Speaking of he was a character guys. in high school too. Uh, all good. We got about five minutes left and we didn't talk about the defense. Uh, but you know, we can take a couple minutes to talk about the defense. We've got Ekholm 
um, you know, knock on wood for a full season this year. Uh, we got a little bit of a competition with that bottom, you know, bottom pair in, in Broberg and, and DeHarnay. Kulak, you'd expect, uh, will play, you know, hopefully, you know, a full-time role uh, this season. Um, you know, how, how do you feel about it? Any, um, like, any concerns going in? Is the CC thing still a concern at all, his health and, and uh, anything that you've heard? As far as I know, he's good to go. Um, I mean, I'll, I, I guess we'll find out for sure tomorrow, but sounds like everything's uh, all systems go. And, and listen, he would admit last year wasn't his best year and his first year was way better, but I think this is a pretty solid decor and it's crazy how one move heading towards the deadline last year kind of changed the way we think of this blue line because there were nights last year where Broberg and Bouchard together were a disaster. Yeah. And th those were the same nights where a Darnell nurse would make a bad mistake, bad pinch. CC wasn't there to cover for him. It would blow up in their face like that. That happened. But uh, we were talking about guys slotting in where they should earlier with Ekholm. Guys are slotting in where they should. I think Ekholm is their number one defenseman. Darnell nurse is a good number two. And, and this is taking the money aspect out of it because people always point to the contract and it's like, ah, okay, take the contract out of it. He's Darnell nurse is going to be helped as much as Evan Bouchard was by the addition of Matthias at home. And, and I, I always joke about this guys, but when you look down the bench or you're on the ice and you see a Viking, that's a giant mountain of a man. And like, there's, there's some solace in knowing that guy's on your team. That guy's in your locker room. That guy's on your bench. And on top of that, he's a, he's a really good human being. Um, that goes a long way. So I think in terms of the actual play, it'll help them. Um, let's see how Bouchard, if he takes another step as he should, and he's going to have every opportunity to, and then let's watch Kulak. There's been a few people that I've seen again, going back to our, our text line and everything that are like, well, what about moving out Kulak? It's like, no guys, leave Leave it how it is. In the playoffs again. You got to stop reading that text line. Yeah, <laughs> but you get, the, you get those people that are thinking this, right? And that's yeah. that's this fan base that is trying to process different opportunities. They want money freed up to to go and get a guy because so they think Kulak might be the guy. If Broberg can step, in, it's like no, no, no. This is a good team. Yeah. Let the defense be the defense. Let DeHarnay and Broberg fight it out. Have that competition. See how that plays out. Um, if it blows up in their face, then we're wrong. But it shouldn't. Right now, what is coming into camp is pretty darn good. So it drives me nuts that the league or uh, like outside of Edmonton <laughs> does not see Darnell Nurse as a top twenty D man in the league. Like for me, you know, it, here's a guy. You know, you talk about those nights with Bouchard and and Broberg and and Cece, and the reason Darnell's making that pinch is because he's trying to do everything Yep. because he had to. Yep. And now that he's got at home for a full year, like to me, this guy is a top 20, if not a top 15 D man in the and league. Seventh in Norris and voting. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, this is, um, I mean, you'll know, and anybody that listens and probably the people that don't are, are nurse haters, but <laughs> we're big nurse fans on. Find on, yourself on someone in your life that loves you as much as Oilers fans love griping about salary yeah, <laughs> you'll be a happy they love it that's my final words for yeah Ryan. all right guys uh unfortunately all good things have to come to an end we uh got cut off already on edmontonsportstalk.com so people are listening now to some 
uh, reiteration of uh, either you, Tommy, or or Dusty in the morning, and and uh, unfortunately they didn't hear me say good night. Who knows how they'll sleep tonight, but <laughs> they'll try. Probably pretty they'll, well. <laughs> they'll do it probably better, especially yeah. if they're listening to this. Yeah. So um, anyway, we're uh, we're thankful to have you, uh, Tom, and and uh, thankful uh, to be part of uh, this uh, inaugural season of EdmontonSportsTalk.com and one of the only live shows I think at night. Yep. Yeah, and we'll have the guys um, from Fantasy Hockey Hacks on uh, tomorrow night. We're going to, because we're already off EdmontonSportsTalk.com, I think we'll um, sort of reenact what we normally have as a tradition on Oilers Live, which is our guest gets the last word. So I'll just say a couple of things. Thank you, everybody that's tuned in and continues to tune in on YouTube today at YouTube.ca slash Heavy Hockey. We haven't had a couple of Twitch listeners. Uh, and then on Facebook as well at uh, Facebook.com slash Oilers Podcast. You can find us. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday, 9 p.m. Mountain, and uh, tomorrow night, uh, make sure you tune in. Uh, Fantasy Hockey Hacks has a great lineup of guests. Not as great as ours uh, was tonight, but uh, almost, almost as good. And uh, so make sure you tune in tomorrow night. That's You can listen to them live on EdmontonSportsTalk.com as well. Dash, uh, any last words before we give Tom? So how it works is we give our guests the last word of the night. You can say whatever the hell you want. Uh, I just need you to say good night, <laughs> so that I know when to, you know, close the drapes and turn off the lights and all those things. If you don't say that, we just sit here looking in an awkward pause while everybody watches us. <laughs> um, so that's the only rule. Uh, Dash, you go ahead and then pass it over to Tommy to say good night. Nothing else to say. Just good seeing you again, Tommy. It's been a while since I uh, shadowed you around the ice on that Dirty Birds tournament. And Chris <laughs> Branco said I couldn't let you out of my sights. I know there was probably a few dirty hooks in there. So I'll finally apologize for that face to face. Just, you know, honored to have you on. Uh, thanks for doing this with us. And, you know, your last words here, it's really no different than what Dusty tells you at the end of every little string. You know, take us out of here. Go ahead, Tom. Beautiful. Uh, I like how you're wearing the Dirty Birds uh hoodie there dash so uh great representation that was a great tournament raised a lot of money for a great cause with the neurosurgery kids fund and don't worry you were not the first guy to try to shadow me not going to be the last i think in my uh beer league days but uh, uh great to see you again and michael pleasure and great to get to have you guys as part of the uh, est friends of est because uh, the, the thing with Everton Sports Talk, this is local sports, and uh, we want to make sure that, you know, every sport, every team in this community is served. And, you know, now we can actually do that because we're the ones calling the shots. And to have you guys on is a, an honor and a privilege. And to have me today, thank you so much for doing that. And with that being said, like, share, subscribe, smash the thumbs up. Like I say, we're playing that algorithm game. YouTube's a big one. And uh, without further ado, gentlemen, good night.